Hey there, it's Sid. Just want to mention really quickly before we get in, we cover kind of heavier topics in this episode, sexual assault, body image, diet culture. We think they're really good conversations. We wanted to leave them in, but wanted to give a warning up top just so you're prepared. Are you there, God? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast, where we unpack our childhood drama and try to figure out why we are the way we are. We're here to answer the questions, what made you good and what makes you sad? Today, we are joined by comedian Kelly Taylor. She is the host of the I Feel Fat Today podcast, where she explores the topic of insecurities and how individuals navigate their various vulnerabilities. She has guests on, and they engage in funny and candid conversations about the challenges of insecurity, shedding light on personal experiences, and bizarre coping mechanisms. I Feel Fat Today explores diet culture and what's new in the world of weight loss. And before we dive into our conversation with Kelly, I just want to give a few reminders to all of our listeners and welcome our new listeners. We're so happy to have you. If you love this podcast, there are a few ways that you can help us out. You can send it to your friends and family. If you know anybody that would relate to this episode or any of our other episodes, please, please share it. That's an awesome way for people to find out about our podcast. Another little thing that you can do that will help us out a ton is leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Please give us five stars if you're so inclined. And don't forget, if you leave us a five-star review and send us a screenshot of it and your address, we will send you a matchbook and sticker. And last but not least, we have just opened up listener support on Spotify. So if you really, really love this podcast and you feel like you want to throw a little something into our offertory plate, please go to that link. Um, You can find it on Spotify or in the show notes and you can donate however much money you want so that we can keep this podcast going, get new equipment, make things better. And we really, really appreciate any support, even if it's just listening and sending to your friends. Okay, enough of that. Let's get to the episode. Please welcome Kelly Taylor. Welcome Kelly. Hello. (laughs) Hello. So happy to be here. We're so happy that you're here. (laughs) We're so happy that you're here. Um, because we had a conversation about a year and a half ago about you coming on the podcast, and I t- told you, like, I was like, we have to stop this conversation, save it for the podcast, and now we're here a year and a half later, so I hope you saved up the anecdotes. I did, I did, and I also, I, I really love that we made it, it, it made it from the drunk conversation to mm-hmm. real life. I was hesitant to even be like, yeah, we were drunk in an Uber, but we were drunk. You know what? We're, we're of age. We're <laughs> yeah, allowed to be yeah. drunk. We're, you you oh. did describe yourselves as um, little rats in the back of the Uber, yeah, so I yeah. assumed you were drunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we were out. Yeah, of course we were drunk. We were out and about. And also, I was brave enough to get an Uber with you. And who else was in the Uber? Was it Brittany? It may have been. It was, it was like people I did not know well. And I was like, I'm getting home tonight. Yep. You did that's, it. that's always when I open up the most. Yes. Oh, like yeah. When we are, me and Sid's origin story was like, I think we were at Sabrina's mic, and then afterwards we just got really deep. Aton <laughs> was like, y'all have been friends forever, right? And we were like, no, we literally met tonight. <laughs> that That's literally how Claire May and I became friends, was we went to a mic, and then after we were like, all right, well, let's go hang out and you know get a bite or something, get a drink. We were hanging out, and the three of us were just like, chatting as if we've known each other for years 
That's so beautiful. there you go. It's I, meant to be. I wonder if it's like because comedy is vulnerable, so then we're like a little bit loosened up, or if it's just that the type of person who does comedy is more likely to trauma dump on you. <laughs> That's it's chicken or the egg. Who knows, you know? Well, I think with comedy too, it is there are people who are so different than you. Like, because people, comedy people come from very much all walks of life. So when you find somebody that you feel very comfortable with, it's like immediate. Yeah. And you already have comedy in common. Yes. And, and being women. And being (laughs) women. Yes. Yes. And in our cases, being good girls gone sad. Yes. So speaking of Kelly, we would love to know what your good girl origin story is. Okay. So my good girl origin story, I was reflecting on this and um, it's definitely based in trauma. So uh, I talk about this a lot with my therapist, not necessarily being good, but just why I was the way that I was from as early as I can remember till to present day. And I realize it's trauma. And so there are things that, you know, we all have various forms of trauma, I think, you know, and they all differ in size and, you know, how I guess bad you could categorize your trauma as. And so I think that growing up, I took what happened very early on in my life. I'm talking like bef- like five years old, like early. And it just sort of unconsciously stayed with me. And so I had this like need to be good because that was what I could offer. Um, I also grew up in... Um, a religious household. Now, my mom and dad are not necessarily religious, but my grandparents are, uh, well, we're all Catholic, and um, they're all Catholic. I guess I can't call myself Catholic, but I've been through the, the, you know, all of the major sacraments, Um, but I, um, so we went to Catholic school. God was very present, And so a lot of my parents' decision-making when it came to raising us was based on um, what my grandparents wanted. So if it was up to my parents, we would have gone to, or if it was up to my mom, I'd say, we would have gone to uh, public school. But my grandparents really wanted us to go to Catholic school, right? So ever since kindergarten through high school, God was always present. And there are a lot of rules. And if you break the rules, you know, you go to not great places. You can go to hell. And if you not, and to save yourself from going hell, you got to tell a creepy old guy all of your indiscretions. <laughs> and so I never wanted to have any indiscretions. So I um, think, yeah, my origin story is just, you know, living in fear that God doesn't see me as good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually were talking to Jack Finnegan last week and he said, um, you shouldn't masturbate or else you'll go to jail. And we were like obsessed with the fact that you're, you didn't say hell. You said jail. jail. <laughs> I, I swear that's um, it's it's terrifying. The idea. I don't I don't even know if I was scared of hell per se or if I was afraid of just being ostracized and outcasted um, and just being really afraid that, you know, if I even told a priest my my sins and knowing that that was like a closed door thing, it would almost be like if, you know, you tell a therapist you murdered somebody, they're like legally obligated to go to the police. I think that's a thing. I thought that would be a thing with the priest. And so I'm like, I can't like, you know, I don't want my parents 
finding out I'm a bad person or thinking I'm a bad person because then they won't love me because my parent, my parents are great. They love me very much. Everything, you know, they're wonderful. But I think I perceived a lot of their love as conditional. And so it made me be just completely on the straight and narrow. And I found that through my pursuit as being a good girl, I became really good at just figuring out how to get away with stuff, mm. you know, because how were you guys as students? Were you good students? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I was really good at some things, always bad at math, couldn't spell, but like I was always like wise or like intelligent. So, yeah, I, 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 wa I was a good student in the way that I did all of my homework and was like good but was it studious a pleasure to but have in class oh mm -hmm. yes uh, yeah yes absolutely a pleasure to have in class but everyone just was like I don't know she just talks like I was charming like fun but I wasn't a straight A's mm -hmm. yeah so my parents had a policy of no C's you mm -hmm. could not mm -hmm. come home with a C and A's were obviously were preferred but you know B's you could get and I just like, I tried being a good student, but I just always said to myself that I was dumb because I couldn't get things. It turns out I just needed some extra help, you know, but mm -hmm. that wasn't ever offered because that's the thing about Catholic school education. It's yeah. not a good education, depending on where you go. Where I went was not a good education. I don't think for what my parents, you know, paid. It was at the lower end of tuition for, for schools in our area. And um, I just don't think it was as good as like what a state mandated education would have been. Um, I'm also hard pressed to not like just completely speak ill of, you know, Catholic institutions in general. But um, I so I think that I relate to you, Sid, of um, I kind of had to be a personality champ. So, like, I had to be good because, like, my grades weren't that great. And mm -hmm. so, like, I had to, like, convince the teacher to give me extra credit or, like, you know, at least if my grade wasn't going to be good, it was going to be that I got, like, a nice comment on the back of the card, mm -hmm. you know, so that my parents didn't think I was bad because I got a C, you know. It's not like I'm slacking off, I, you know. I, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. Just, like, on this pursuit of never getting a note home or anything like that. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal. Um, I want to circle back quickly on something you said earlier. It felt like the Jack Finnegan jail comment. You were like, uh, you had to tell someone your indiscretion. So I was just, I would rather be indiscretionless. Yes. Like without discretion then is that what that would be? Without discretion? Indiscretion? Yeah, with, yeah. I guess um, without discretion. Um, then like tell anybody that you had done something because it was so much more shameful to say something than yes. actually like the bad like doing the bad thing yeah or to lie yes or, or like to that, lie that didn't say, seem like it crossed your mind which it wouldn't have for me either so. well you know I remember uh did you guys go to catholic school I didn't I grew up methodist okay you grew up methodist I did I said, did they go to Catholic school? Does the Pope have a balcony? That's an EPR <laughs> reference. I don't know if everybody got it, if anybody got it. But yeah, I did uh, go to Catholic school. Amazing. So if in my school, when we would do like confession, like quarterly. We did confession. Um, and we had confession available every day. Um, we had to go basically, which you really 
mm, shouldn't have to go to confession. It's supposed to be very much of your will and you have to feel the remorse yourself, but that's an issue for another time. Um, yeah, we had to go before, like during Lent and whatever. Yes. Um, big repent. Right. And it would be like all like you, the classes would go in sections to the church. Right. So, but it was a priest you had a personal connection with because they worked at the school. Well, yes, technically, yeah, we had a personal connection with them, but I never really like they were just old, creepy men to me, oh. like always. Um, Ours were young and personal friends. Oh, like, I family see. friends. <laughs> yeah. So I remember um, all the kids like you sit with your class and kids would like be like, oh, they're spending a lot of time talking in there. They must have done a lot of stuff and be really bad. Ooh. Yes. I've said this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. And so that's I when mm-hmm. I would lie because I would just think of like three things of like, OK, I was mean to my brother. I talked back to my mom and I was, you know, I stayed up late, really stayed up really late one night or something like I would think of stuff like that, because in reality, you know, uh, how old what sins are elementary age kids committing yeah you know we have we have like pondered this question before and just the idea that it's like start like make them feel remorseful young like they're okay there was something that we had that was called the examination of conscience which was like one, it was like a list of all of the Ten Commandments and like regular kind of everyday ways you can break this. So it's like, don't murder. But it's like, how does that like apply, apply to everyday life? And I kind of forget how they spun it. And that I do not think is a bad thing to like examine your conscience and like, what are you feeling bad about? And like introspective reflecting. But then the like, unless you really, really mean it, God's not going to forgive you and X, Y, Z and like all of the rhetoric around it. Yeah, good. And then, yeah, when you do it in second grade. And I remember there were times that I would have even gone to confession and then gotten. So if you go to get communion in without going to confession and you've committed a mortal sin, it's like straight to hell. There's nothing you can do. You could become Mother Teresa at the end of your life, but you still one time went to get communion in a state of mortal sin. Yeah. Mortal sin is so extreme. Um. It's like a murdering somebody, cheating. I don't even remember the other ones. Getting confession, uh, getting communion one week, but then not go. So like you miss oh, church. Missing church is a Mi- mortal yeah, sin. Missing oh church. my God. Yes. Missing church and not getting communion. And then you go the next day without repenting to confession or the yes. next week and you get communion. That's a moral sin. Yes. Yeah. So being, being in a state of mortal sin for not going to confession um, and I was like, if I didn't feel like repented enough, even having gone to confession, I'd be like, just in case I'm not going to get communion this week. That yeah. is, I did not know about that. That's wild. It's very anxi- anxiety inducing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. for like kids who are already anxiety prone or like, I've talked about this before. Like I had pretty bad ADHD and like the rules that I knew how to follow were very comforting, but then like things that I couldn't like out of my control follow and felt like I was doing bad like a bad person for that was very very difficult to cope with but it's just yeah confession especially at like in the, the second grade level mm-hmm. and then yeah there's all of these gossips there's means there's like means <laughs> meanies no <laughs> other kids in the class are just means um they we, we literally would, like, examine how long other people's yeah. confessions were. And we'd be like, that was, like, a 40-minute confession. Yeah. And 
like, but also what was that kid confessing? Did that kid need serious help or were they doing it for attention? Because they could have been doing it for attention. Um, And I'm even analyzing these kids now. But there was times we would do it in our classroom while class was going on. Oh, no, ours was uh, maybe I blacked that out because I remember ours always being in a church like it had to be in a church setting. Oh, no, I have I have confessed everywhere, normally inside, but not always. <laughs> not always. Wait, and Kelly, was yours in the booths? What are those yeah. called? Confessionals. Confessionals, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the confessionals. What is that crazy name I can't come <laughs> yeah. up with? And there were two different ways within the confessional that you could um, confess. So the one that's often depicted in movies is the one where there's like a, a barrier between yourself and the priest. And there's like a very thin, thin, thin like um, screen, screen mm-hmm. where you can kind of see the priest, but kind of not. Or you could sit in front of them. And you'd have to say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been X amount of days, years, whatever, since my last confession. And then the priest would say some hokey pokey. And then you say what you got to say, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. In choosing to do wrong and failing to do good, I have. Oh, there's some prayer that you have to say. That's like the act of contrition. Oh, yeah. 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 Act of contrition. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So. Um, but back to your origin story. Yeah. So it's just. It it was all just my good girl nature was fueled by anxiety because my parents are products of just not ha- like having good parents, not great parents. Like my mom's parents were both um, Irish immigrants. And so they had no ability to like properly raise kids well adjusted. And um they, they had nothing to go off of. Like my my grandparents on my dad's side are still to this day very present in my life. But I think even with them, like they sort of ruled with an iron fist. And so when it came to my parents, you obviously want to do better for your kids than what you got. But I think for them, like now they're much more mellowed out. But like I there would be instances where like if my mom came home from working a double shift at a hospital and I had like a note home saying that I was talking in class, it wasn't like I had gentle parenting, you know, waiting for me at home. Like I would get, you know, spanked and yelled at and, you know, typical what 90s kids usually are dealt with, you know, because that's just like normal parenting. And now our parents look back at that sort of parenting and they're like, remember when you did that and that was your punishment? Ha ha ha. And like my (laughs) brothers and I are like, yeah, that was like traumatizing. (laughs) And my parents now are like, my parents are either like grow up. It wasn't that bad or that didn't happen. (laughs) So I don't know. And it's not, it's not my lot in life to get them to, you know, um, to get them to remember selected history like that's not that's not for me to to do with them and I don't want them to you know the, I, it, I'm fine with them having revisionist history I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that you know so I think that was also part of it and so I just had this like anxiety that was never diagnosed and I'm not saying I wanted to be a kid that was like medicated or anything I just think I needed to learn like coping mechanisms you know like mm-hmm. breathe like you're having a panic attack breathe you know so I don't know. I also like looked to food a lot when I was a kid when I had anxiety. And so I just would sort of like scurry away and, you know, put my find food to like self comfort and medicate myself that way. 
And so I found myself being like super isolated from, from other kids. And so I kind of, my good girl nature sort of segued into not really being social too much. Mm. Cause if you get involved with kids that if you have friends and they do something bad by association, you've done something bad. If you're with them, like if I'm with my girlfriend at the mall and she steals something, I've stolen something. You guys, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. relate oh, yeah. to that. So, yeah, I don't know. I think my my brother always said, my older brother, he's two years older. And so he got out of the house like a year or two before I did. And he, you're able to see a lot when you're able to zoom out from home. And he was describing um, what parent, or what our parenting was like um, as, you know, most parents give their kids enough rope to hang themselves but with us our parents had a skin graft to them so that we couldn't stray and Mm -hmm. make mistakes Mm -hmm. and learn from them because if you made a mistake it meant that you were a bad person that you've done bad and you are bad so and I don't want to be bad I'd rather die wow wait what is your birth order um, so I have an older brother that's two years older than me. I'm the middle child, the only girl. And then my younger brother is six years younger than me. Okay. Oh, do you think being the only girl I and middle and middle I think yeah. being only girl, I think being middle totally had a lot to do with my nature, especially because it's really funny looking back at the way that we were parented. And I keep saying we I'm not implicating you guys in this. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I'm just used to saying we. I think when we look back at the way we were parented, there's now terms to identify the things that were amiss and the things that were bad. And so I look back at my childhood and I'm realizing how much parentification was happening with me. And parentification, do you guys know what that is? No. no. So parentification is when any sort of... Um, Uh, the words not coming to me, but any sort of like um, uh, thing needing to be done around the house or even it could be emotionally, it could be like just like literal day-to-day activities, anything where a child usually is the person receiving those things, getting that done to them, they take on that role. So they parentification. So my example that I use is with my younger brother. I was six years old when he was born that like immediately almost unconsciously I became a parental a parental figure to him my parents worked you know I so I kind of had to step up to the plate so like six years old I was feeding babies and and feeding baby one baby (laughs) um changing diapers and like taking on that maternal role um like I said my parents worked a lot so like we just kind of had to so I think that also the parent, the parentification aspect played into um, my old soul nature, <laughs> you know, so. Did you think of yourself that way, like an old soul? I always sort of saw myself as like outside of what like kids were into like yeah like you weren't peer-to-peer you I were, wasn't peer-to-peer you were not like your peers I was yeah. not like my peers no not at all and I really don't have friends from elementary school my my friends from home are my friends from high school I think in elementary school I was just like very um 
I was operating, my, my nervous system was on overdrive and I was constantly operating from a place of anxiety that I didn't have space to make. I had friends that went from elementary school into high school, but then those friendships didn't really last. Um, but you would think going to Catholic school from kindergarten through high school, I would have some close girlfriends, I should say, from from elementary school, and I really don't. I have one kid that I went to um, elementary school with that I stayed friends with in high school, and we're not even, like, close now, but, like, if I see him out, you know, we're friends in that way. Um, but, yeah, so I think I sort of... Um, not that I thought I was too mature. I don't want to come across as if like I thought I was this, you know, highbrow kid. I had a lot of trouble relating to other kids mm-hmm. completely. So I mean, I did think I was a highbrow kid. So if you did think that way, feel free to say it. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't recall thinking I, I I was or did. I don't. I don't recall thinking that. I just really remember having a hard time relating and like making and maintaining friends, mm-hmm. especially because like there was no street smart ability to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like there was none. I, it was like, it wasn't, I still learned like slang term na- terms now, like as an adult where I'm like, Oh, that's what it meant. Like I remember learning what a blow job was. And like, I definitely would have been probably like earliest eighth grade mm-hmm. knowing what that was. So funny. We've talked about this before, but I vividly remember when my friend told me what fingering was and who had gotten fingered. And I was like, that's not a thing. I yeah, don't yeah. believe you. I don't even know what that hole is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, that's so funny because I'm thinking like my default used to be, no, that's not a thing. And then there was some day where the switch flipped and I'm like, everything's a sex thing. And, people, <laughs> and like, I, people would have to like talk me down from a ledge. I'm like, is that a sex thing? And they're like, no, opening a can of soda is not like yeah, a like, sex thing. Stop or, like, making it weird. Like stop, drop and roll is not a sex thing. That's how you put out fires. But I was just like, oh, suddenly everything's about sex. Like I remember, not that I was having it, very famously was not having right. that. Um, but I was just like, okay, to, to stay above it, to get ahead of it, everything's about sex until proven not about sex. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah sex. if I didn't get a joke or a reference, that would be my, I would just assume it right. was sexual. And that's why I didn't get it. Right. <laughs> that was another thing with being a good girl was, um, I think unconsciously, I wrapped up my identity in being a virgin and not having sex and like saving myself to marriage. Like, oh, that's definitely what I'm going to do. That's what all the adults said that we're supposed to do. Like, that's 100% what I'm going to do because in Catholic positioning, I'm like, I'm like, yep, let's talk. Yes. (laughs) In, um, so in Catholic school, you don't get a sex ed, you get family life. You had family life. Um, we had, we, we were taught natural family planning. Okay. But we had like, we had, um, it was just in our health class. So in fifth grade, in place of gym, one semester uh, or quarter, you would have family life. And so family life was, you would learn the fact that our bodies are changing and you would learn about the reproductive system. And it was all in the context of God. Like God has blessed us with this gift of, you know, reproducing and um, God blesses women with 
menstruation and it was just always like God gave us these things. Mm -hmm. And when I learned that, um, in order to be married in the eyes of God, women had to be pure. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Like, you know, I also didn't want to have to go to church and confess having premarital sex. Oh, yeah. You know, like that's not something I want to go to confession and do. Well, they also just made it sound so complicated, honestly. I was like, this seems like a lot of effort to find somebody, find a place to have sex with them. Right. Like, also, that I was just terrified of men in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely had so many crushes on guys. All of my crushes throughout elementary school would start with me hating them intensely like being like I can't stand Mike oh he's so annoying and then one day the switch flipping and being like oh no I like him like he's so cute and it was to weird. lovers yeah trip. <laughs> oh and it was all it was all like very very in my own head yeah. like I was not having these conversations with anybody and um so yeah so in fifth grade you learn family life and you don't learn any kind of like about like uh, a condom with the cucumber mm-hmm. that was never in any of my education throughout my life like never me neither at yeah. public school <laughs> at public school yeah I went to abstinence first public school though so. abstinence first public school mm-hmm. okay so I have a theory that our parents put us through this abstinence only thing just because they didn't want us to be whores like <laughs> They didn't care about us being pregnant. Well, obviously they cared, but first and foremost, they can't be whores. I think that was like really, that's my theory anyways. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because there is this sentiment where it's like, and if you came home pregnant, we would nourish and love that baby and Mm -hmm. da-da-da-da, but you would be a whore. Yeah. It was like, or it's like you're a whore until you like become a teen mom and then it's like this precious life and you've made like this beautiful decision that is interesting yeah that's an interesting point kelly because it is then it's like suddenly like you're redeemed you're the prodigal son but if you're having sex just everything like i remember and i don't know when the switch flipped or i guess it was a gradual thing and i'm kind of going all over the place but i promise i'll come back to one but i um I remember I was older now. I was like early 20s and my grandma was talking about my cousin's wife or ex-wife who um, they, of course, didn't like. And I was like, why don't they like her? Why don't they like her? I'm thinking back. She wasn't Catholic. She Mm. was some other she was some other deviation of Catholicism, Christianity, Christianity, but she wasn't Roman Catholic. And so, of course, they didn't like her. And I'm sure there's a myriad of other reasons why they would say, but that's why I'm thinking they didn't like her. And she ended up having cervical cancer. And I remember my grandma saying something about um, she got that cancer that whores get <gasps> because it's like derivative of it's derived from like you can you'll have HPV and can yeah. sometimes get cervical cancer. 80% of women in their lifetime will contract HPV. I know. It's like a like, and also it can you can get it and then it'll go away. Yeah, like yeah, there's like, like a couple years. kinds. I yeah, think. there's all these different the wonderful world of HPV. There's tons of it, and yeah. like, and I, I and I remember when she said that, having the thought of like, oh, that's fucking crazy that she would say that. But I think the other part of me had to acknowledge like, my inner child heard shit like that all the time. Oh yeah, and so that's also why 
Like, I can't even get cancer and get sympathy. If I get a certain kind of cancer, I could be marked a whore. And so I think I really internalized a lot of that. Yeah. Um, For more glorious HPV talk, you can listen to our first ever episode <laughs> with Caroline Banowitz. Yeah, we, talk, we talk about Gardasil, like, in detail that made my mom not want to listen to the podcast anymore. Really? <laughs> oh, I, I was vehemently against Gardasil because I was like, I'm not a whore. I don't need it. So I didn't know. Like, I never made that connection that, like, I didn't know what HPV was. So I was like, I saw the I saw the commercials. I knew that you were supposed to get this shot. I had no idea it had to do with sex. I probably would have been really weird about it if I had known. But I was just like, my mom thinks I should get Gardasil. I should get Gardasil. And the like, I remember the doctor saying like, if I was younger, I would absolutely get it. Like, you know, that's my number one recommendation. And then people that I know did not get it, even though like, they had the same guidance from doctors and stuff. And it was because their parents were like, we don't want you to get it because you shouldn't be having sex. And wow. I was like, whoa, I didn't know that, but I already got it. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's very that's very funny because I remember my mom being like, yeah, just get it because my mom's a nurse. Mm-hmm. So she's just like, yeah, vaccines load them up like modern medicine. It's great. And um, so I I don't know if she didn't connect to the sex thing or whatever, but I remember going into the doctor's office being like, I don't need it. And they're like, really? You're going off to college. And I was like, nope, I'm not sexually active. I don't need it. You know, not to real, like not realizing like, oh, when you go to college and you're in a situation you've never been in before where alcohol is involved, there may be a situation where you might be having some unwanted visitors to your vagina. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's a pretty creepy world out there. And so you have to protect yourself. And I think that what you said, Sid, about um, indoctrination of turning against yourself very young, that's also in there because Mm -hmm. how am I supposed to think that someone did something wrong to me when I'm actually the one that was the cause of this? If I hadn't been drinking, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, the slut shaming to ugh. should we just say it and then just put a warning out there? The slut shaming to rape culture pipeline is yeah. extremely scary and um, like I don't know prevents reporting or yep. like it's and especially on college campuses where people like you said have never been in those kinds of situations before drinking or not. Like it, even if you can have someone you'd like think on your floor like I'm not trying to create circumstances but like it's so scary and if you just are upfront with your children I feel like arm them the world Mm -hmm. give them the information give them the information and like I for a long time feel like I had a lot of information and I still didn't want to have sex and that's fine but I felt very comfortable with that fact um but just like not having sex out of fear is like the most damaging thing you can do to your psyche, yeah, which yeah. is different than rape culture. But, um, well, I, I feel is like, is it, I don't know. I mean, I feel like everyone I know, and I think I can say that with confidence, every single girl that I know pretty much has had a situation that made them really uncomfortable. And a lot of people just go with it or yeah. just ignore it or whatever it is like you want to be I mean, polite yeah obviously there's a range and like one in three women experience sexual assault and so that aside like everyone has had like a person come up and grind on you that you don't want there and they won't move and like yep. it's so uncomfortable and you're dressed as a zombie and you're like I look horrible <laughs> why would you yeah. grind on me but I, I think that like 
it does make it so you're like, well, it's my fault. And it's actually better if I just don't say anything that this person made me uncomfortable. Like I had an encounter with someone in college that made me really, really uncomfortable. And I didn't tell anybody except for like my closest friend at the time. And then I, I see him a lot. Like he's friends with people I'm friends with. And I somebody was going on and on about how sweet he is and how great he is. And I was like, I really don't mean to damper dampen this situation but like I had a pretty negative experience with him and I explained it and then my other friend was like you know what I had a really similar Mm. experience Mm. and it was like and I never brought it up because I didn't want people to not like him because I felt like I was being dramatic because you know I was a virgin and so like if somebody was too forward with me I was really freaked out by it but I and I just like I mean we had this conversation when we were like 28 and it happened when I was like 20. And so it's just like, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's even the church thing or just the culture of. I think it's a tandem of both. I think it could be more. I don't know if it's more or less prevalent. I'm talking personal experience. Having grown up with religion, I think that that is a major factor. Because when I got to college and I was able to meet Jewish people, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, I, and I was able to meet people of like all different walks of life and realizing like their problem solving skills and the way that they handled things with someone, you know, encroaching on their space even was far different than me. You know, my, my word or my um, sort of instinct is to always be sorry sorry, 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 sorry. Like Mm -hmm. you bumped into me, you railroaded me. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And I was able to meet people in college who didn't operate like that. Um, I forget. We went off into a tangent. There was something I was going to bring up. Um, but, uh, did you ever Sid, experience something called chastity day? So we had something called a promise to keep, which was the high schoolers came to the middle schools and that are you are, are you talking about signing your virginity pledge? Um, so I don't recall <laughs> if we signed a virginity pledge. Oh, we but signed cards that you were supposed to keep in your wallet to remind you. And I was like, none of us have wallets. And they make you do it like in middle school when you don't even know what that yeah. means. <laughs> so yeah. you're like, of course I'll sign this pledge. Well, what is boys? Well, no, but <laughs> yeah. it's just it's like the idea. It's like having sex. Yeah. Are you kidding me? with these bozos in my class like it was just like laughable but also there was so much pressure to sign it and I remember being like I remember taking it so seriously because they're like this is a contract with God this is a contract with God and I was like nothing is more important than God and so yeah for the longest time I was like it was just easier to not engage Mm -hmm. and not date and not do anything than like learn boundaries and that is how rape culture happens yeah that's circling back circling back we're never taught boundaries we're never taught like what we we don't know what we would or would not be okay with and then suddenly it's happening and you're not okay with it and you don't even know how to stop it well yeah. even though like this conversation too is still putting the blame on the woman because we're saying like you not having boundaries Damn it. yeah no that's fair <laughs> but i completely relate yeah, to it yeah totally like I'm, that is no fault of yours but it's just like wild to even think about that we're still like well it's my fault because if i knew boundaries then i would enforce them and it's like well it's not always 
Right. When you Anything said that, I was, to do with you. When you said that, it's like, it's not putting blame on the woman. It's putting blame on me. And that's right. fine. I can just, like, internalize it. And, like, that's what you said earlier. It was, like, it's just easier to be, like, that was a mistake. He didn't mean to do that. Than, yes. like, actually yeah. deal with the fact that you are hurt. Well, because being a good girl is always being happy. And, like, yeah. never being the problem. And you don't want to bring it up because you don't want to be the problem. And you don't want people to feel bad for you. And because you don't want to ruffle any feathers. Yeah. And you don't want to be an inconvenience. Yeah. You don't want to be an inconvenience. Like the idea of my mom having to miss work because she has a has to have a call with the guidance counselor. Like, no, yeah. that's not going to happen. Um, Wait, I do want to hear about Chastity Day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'd like to hear about your version of Chastity Day. Okay. So Chastity Day. Also obsessed with the name. I know. We should throw a Chastity Day party. Oh my God. <laughs> we should. Yes. I would love that. <laughs> oh my God. The decor could be so funny. Um, it's just belts. Pictures of cows. What else? <laughs> chastity uh, every, you symbols. Ha- um, just like style a belt. You know chastity belts? Yeah. Yes. Everyone, everyone has like. Style a belt. Style yeah. a belt. Um, or like pin the belts on the, I don't know, something. Um, we what had else a, for chastity We had a game in one of our live shows that I made Drex play. And um, another great episode, Drex and Clemens. Go mm-hmm. listen to it. Um, and it was, it was called Purity Ring of Fire. And we asked which was like not a real metaphor for losing your virginity. And the list is crazy. Like I was just Googling like what are my, cause it's like, obviously, you know, don't buy the cow. You wouldn't buy the cow if you can get the milk for free. Yeah. But then like the crumpled up, well, the crumpled up piece of paper lying here, yes. but also the crumpled up flower, mm-hmm. like, um, what, like your petals. Toothpaste. Are, yeah. The toothpaste. Tape. Oh, the tape one was weird. It like loses its stickiness. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's like so icky. <laughs> so anyway, be super fun party. <laughs> super fun party. <laughs> With tape and <laughs> And Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift. Yeah. And it's, we're just playing Better Than Revenge and um fifteen all night. Yeah. It's just back to back Taylor's versions. But so basically a speak now release party is what mm-hmm. you're saying. That's chastity. Basically. I'm I'm there, guys. Like Great. I am freaking there the record is ordered so yeah we'll have some jonas brothers when they were in their purity ring era yes yes um okay so chastity day so um i don't know when this woman came into my life but her name is pam stenzel and i meant to google this on the way here i googled it about a year ago to see if she's still doing what she's doing and she is i googled it today oh okay good Mm -hmm. she's still good 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 (laughs) love that for her (laughs) she's still doing her events um and so I can't remember when she first came into my life. It was either I was in middle school or high school. And um, she came to our auditorium. And middle school and high school always blurs into me because I was in the same building from K through 13 pretty much. Um, so I can't use like setting to like put it into perspective. And so we would use the same what we called the little theater. And so the little theater is where we'd go like for plays and speakers and stuff. And so Pam Stenzel comes and she is this loud personality she's very like almost talk show hosty you know she's loud she's cool and she's funny and she's telling us all about uh abstinence and she's using those disgusting scary metaphors of like a wilted flower or crumpled up piece of paper and if you are a woman and you sleep with even one person you're tarnished to your husband of course yeah and 
I took that shit and I was like, I'm going to be the best fucking wife ever. I'm going to be so pure because like I have control over that. I can do that. Meanwhile, I had no idea that like all the other girls in my class are like, you know, giving blowjobs and not <laughs> taking what this woman is saying seriously whatsoever. Yes, a classic uh, Catholic high school thinking everyone's a virgin and finding out yes. later you were doing you've seen a penis. We've all just been looking at them the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in elementary school thinking, wow, all of the teachers in my school that aren't married are all virgins. Oh my god! I I, I, I had that thought that about people constantly because like constantly you couldn't live with your boyfriend. You couldn't like if you were a teacher in the school. They they the school couldn't know that you lived with a significant other. You certainly did not have children without that you know without being married. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought everyone was a virgin. Did you also, when you met somebody's husband for the first time, you would be like, oh my God, those people have sex. Those people have sex. It was ever present in my mind. Oh my gosh. No, oh, no, I like couldn't get it out of my mind. It would like sometimes, it it was like a, it was like an intrusive thought. It's like an OCD thing. Yeah. I also think when I was like young, young, like probably middle school, like late elementary school, I genuinely thought that you had sex because you wanted a child. You did the sex, you had the child, then you waited until you wanted another child. Like, I didn't oh, yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Didn't know that there was anything in between. I think I had enough access to, because it's weird. So Catholic school, you know, it's, you're in school for most of the day. It's how you spend most of your time. But at home, you know, my, my mom is into horror movies, so we always watch those. Like, we watched, really, like, there were very, very few restrictions. There would be... S- some random shows where my parents would be like, Kelly's not allowed to watch that. Your kids are not allowed to watch that. Like, I wasn't allowed to watch the OC. I had to watch the OC in secret. I remember one time I was watching at my grandparents' house and my older brother ran in and saw me watching it and was like, I'm going to tell mom and like tattled on me for watching the OC. That's kind of a reasonable show to not be allowed to watch though. But like, there's a lot in be that show. Be consistent across the board then. That's and true, I yeah. would say, honestly, like I'm 30. So when the, by, when, the OC came out. I was well into my teens. I feel like I could have handled yeah. the OC. Oh, yeah. So I was ex- I was uh, shown enough in pop culture to know that people have sex, mm-hmm. to know that this is a thing. But when you do that, you're a fucking whore and yeah. you better get right with God. Did we finish Chastity Day? Okay, no, Chastity Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Pam Stenzel would come in and she would, you know, um, show you or regale you with these stories of um how you know she um she was a she does this work and whatever and like you're supposed to remain chase and then I was I was definitely in high school for this they brought in another speaker like the very next day and I guess she was like a referral through Pam Stenzel I don't remember her name but she got up on stage and uh, was talking to us and the whole class like the the whole grade was just on one that day and she tells us how she had sex before marriage and the whole room went fucking nuts we were all like what <laughs> she did what like get it you know all that shit oh and we were all freaking the fuck out and like they had to like calm down and be like you have to be respectful um, so that was like my experience with people like that coming to school to, to talk to us. But 
there when I got to high school, there was this thing called pro-life club or pro-life group. Mm. And um, of course, I was a part of that. Of course. Because I was extremely anti-choice, 100% pro-life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a lot of weird feelings about that. <laughs> and This was the majority of the conversation in the back of the Uber, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. And um, as... Little rats in pro-life literally little rats um as part of pro-life club you got to do what you I think mentioned before of having the seniors or the high schoolers come to middle school and so we would like go to different schools and like talk to these middle schoolers and I am just like I would say I was probably the only person attending that was like secretly in my head being like yeah like this is good stuff that we're doing whereas everyone else that I was going with they were all outwardly like we get to miss class and be a part of this bizarro thing um whereas for me I was just like trying to play along as if like yeah this is crazy but in my head being like no this is legit stuff like Mm -hmm. this is the you know rules and we would go and we would um do these act outs like I remember I had to do this act out with one of the upperclassmen where I was like rejecting him and being like no I am I would never disrespect my relationship with God I am not gonna go out with you I wish there was video recordings of these things. Um, we're, we're doing skits at Chastity Day, by the way. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. And we have 100%. to, like, wear all black. And yeah. then, yes. like, yes. your shirt say, like, sin. <laughs> yes. Dancing. My, drinking. Yes. yes. My friends, I was not. This was, like, maybe a retreat or something. I don't know. But my friends were in a skit where their shirts say, like, drugs, profanity. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so bummed I wasn't in that club because I'm like, I'm the comedian. I need those pictures. <laughs> oh, yeah. I loved being on stage. I loved um, being able to, you know, pontificate to these kids, mm-hmm. to these, you know, middle schoolers. I'm freaking sophomore in high school. And um, I remember in my, you know, later in life as an adult, I was talking to my cousin, who's kind of a distant cousin, but like, you know, still sort of live near each other and we were talking about Pam Stenzel and she was like you know I passed out at Chastity Day like I was so overwhelmed I passed out did you had sex ed or I didn't fully pass out but I got really woozy and I had to be taken out of class really yeah my my cousin she was like I Pam Stenzel came and she was screaming at us about you know if you had sex then you know you're a bad person and she may have already like experimented already or something Mm. I don't know but just the she literally passed out because she was like I'm going to go to hell yeah oh my gosh I okay so Sid has heard about this I went to this like so my church was not that extreme some people were but not everyone and like my siblings had a way different way more extreme experience but we went to this like I think it was a Methodist retreat because the only other person I know who's been to it is also also Methodist but it was in Florida and so you're like on the beach and you're journaling on the beach performatively like Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and we had this like at night you would go and they would have speakers come and they were like big name people in the Christian community and they would like mostly talk to you about not having sex and I just remember they were telling us that if you have sex before marriage you're cheating on God and about like this whole thing about how you're married to God until you're married to your spouse and God you know passes over your hand in marriage and blah 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 and I was standing there beside this boy that I had a huge crush on and I knew that he had had sex 
because he had sex with a girl that I knew. And the whole time I was standing and I'm like red in the face, like he's hearing this and he's going to hell (laughs) and his future wife is going to be so upset and he's just taking it. And then like years later in college, we like I was talking to him and I was like, do you remember that retreat? And like, I remember thinking this the whole time. And he was like, I couldn't tell you a single thing about that retreat. (laughs) It did not stick out of my head. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) because I like I thought about it a lot. Like it was an important moment to me where I was like, this poor guy, he's just standing here being condemned. This is terrible. <laughs> so worried about other people's salvation. Seriously. Just so worried about it. Yeah. Well, I also remember, like, not knowing what to do if I would have word, would have had to have said, had sex. I don't, I can't even say it. Um, I was just like, better not, be, best not find out. Yeah, best yeah. Not find, best I was not like, even what, go there. What, what's the path forward? Like, I know some people, like, have sex and they're like they're born again virgins but that's a fake because you can't just never have not had sex again oh yeah i remember being so judgmental of born agains i was like you're not a born again virgin you're not a virgin <laughs> sorry some of us are you're not like there were a lot of not a lot of people there was a good number of people i knew in college who were born again virgins and like made kind of a deal about it haven't we talked about this how we were like being a born again virgin is just like i've had sex actually yeah. I'm actually I don't know how to tell you this actually I do and I'm going to tell you by telling you I've had sex it's low-key a flex it's like yeah. I've had sex but also I love God so get at me yeah like I've had a taste of it and I've chosen to go with God yeah like, I, I just like remember feeling like that's that's a get out of jail free pass yeah that's not real you don't get to say that only some of us do yeah. yeah, no, once you've had sex, you're tarnished. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Sorry, I don't make the rules. It's like so interesting hearing what other people were because I feel like everybody heard like slight variations of the same yes re- like, rhetoric. <laughs> yes. And like the Catholicism thing, like you saying that you're you can't be like fully married in the eyes of God if you've had sex before you're married. I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things like the if you're like not married in the Catholic church, you're not really married in the eyes of God because you don't receive the sacrament of marriage. Like all of those things I had no idea were a thing. And like mine, I feel like was much more like emotional. Like it was like, you will like feel just tarnished and like you're giving away a piece of your soul and all of this stuff. But like, I don't know. I feel like that would have, I, I, that would have stuck with me even better than what I was told. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, Becca, it worked pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Um, I can we ask what made you sad? Yeah, I feel like we've we've really kind of gotten into it. Yeah, we've already gotten into it. But if there's anything you'd like to elaborate on, the second portion of our yeah podcast, we ask what made you sad. Okay, so what made me sad? Um, I think just looking back and realizing how much of my actions were fueled by my anxiety and how I really couldn't be who I now consider to be my authentic self. Like, I am just obsessed with authenticity. That's why I think I struggle a lot on, like, my opinions of things because I want to make sure, like, I am fully giving you exactly what it is that I think of a situation and, Mm -hmm. like, this is truly rooted in what I think because something that I've realized, you know, I listen to, like, positive affirmations as I go to bed because I, I don't know, I just want to feel better, be better, do better. Mm-hmm. All that shit just Is to that feel one of the affirmations? 
Uh, no, I, maybe <laughs> feel it, better. Do maybe, better. Maybe, Be better. Maybe it is, and it's in my yeah. subconscious, and it just came out because I don't think I've ever said that before. And um, uh, so I was thinking back. I like. I'm trying to come up with a joke of like my inner child is a Republican. Like, <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Like I say that, and people look at me like what? And I'm like, you guys get it because. No, literally, my inner child is a Republican. Fox News on the TV, 24 hours, mm-hmm. 24-7 news cycle, Fox News on the TV. Um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, and my grandpa is a private investigator, and so we would just be in his stupid Lincoln driving around, and <laughs> Rush Limbaugh was on the radio. So I just had Rush Limbaugh throwing... Hunting down bad people, like cheaters and yeah. mobsters. Yeah. I don't know, maybe not Serving mobsters. divorce papers, stuff like that. Whatever, it just always had Rush Limbaugh on. And so I that totally fed into why I was completely anti-choice, um, honestly, past college. Like, I literally only was able to sort of stop down and take a look at the way that I um, perceive things and my stances on things, and, like, the pandemic, literally. Because oh. I had just been, like, working, 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 and, you know, being influenced by the people around me to know the difference of right, right and wrong kind of thing. But it really wasn't until I finally had the quarantine to, like, sit and be with my thoughts and really think about how so much of my identity and who I was was just shaped around who I, my grandparents and my parents wanted me to be. And I think that's the part that makes me sad because I, I think who, the way I was brought up and all of those different things that happen in your life that are an amalgamation of who you are today. And I really like who I am today. Um, I think I have a really good work ethic and I think, you know, I am funny and all those things as a byproduct of the way I was raised, but it makes me sad to think about how I um, didn't let myself truly be me and how I acted so much in fear. I remember I um, I didn't have my first kiss until I was 17, and um, this guy that I that I dated, you know, of course, because I was a sheltered kid, I didn't really realize that there's like a dating and then they ask you to be your boyfriend. We went on a few dates and I'm like, he's my boyfriend, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we acted boyfriend and girlfriend like, but it was like the summer before college. You're not getting a boyfriend the summer before college. Right. And um, so I remember uh, I, I think back on that and I'm like, I probably just went like way too fast in with like being exclusive with this guy because I didn't understand exclusivity. I didn't understand that you dated people all at the same time. And um, so when we were, when he was breaking up with me, it made sense why he was breaking up with me. It was August. We were both going to different colleges. Like, obviously you, you fucking break up. And I like was sobbing and he was telling me, you know, um, you operate with this cloud of doubt around you 100% of the time. And that stuck with me. And at first I was like, I didn't quite get it at first. And then I would reflect on it and I realized he's nailed it. 
Like I operate with a cloud of doubt around me and it's like, I'm always looking for danger. I don't, I didn't know at the time how to like really let my personality come through. Um, and I think that's when I started, I think using alcohol as a way to have my personality come through because I was able to shed this, um, anxiety piece that didn't let me truly let me, um, not be a wallflower, not mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. this person that just sort of like sat back and smiled and was nice. Like I would have been like the perfect wife for a Republican. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too bad you didn't get snatched up early. I think about that all the time, how I would just be like, I mean, I don't want a gun, but we, we all deserve them. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Oh, gross. Um, I know. Makes me feel so weird. Like, I'm glad I didn't get married young because yeah. that's, I would have been someone I didn't. I, someone I don't recognize today, probably, but... 100%. Yeah, and 100%. I think also with the alcohol thing, um, it's sometimes, like, you're like, I'm drunk. It's, like, an excuse to, like, be your true self. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, you use it as a, ugh, I was drunk. Don't even worry about it. Um, but then that leads to so much, like, anxiety because then you're like, am I that person? Am I not that person? And yeah. we've all dealt with that. We haven't really talked so much about the alcohol thing but we've like Becca and I have been talking about it like personally Mm -hmm. a lot like the use of alcohol and like a good girlyhood and how it's it's different for us yeah because we're we're all special and unique good girls it's true (laughs) yeah when you were younger were you able to put your finger on the fact that you had anxiety or are are you just looking back and you know that's what it is I'm looking back and I know that's what it is now yeah that's how I was too and I look back and I was such an anxious kid and I would no one would have said that everybody would have said she's so happy she's never sad whatever and that's the same thing happy never sad but (laughs) I but then like there were these moments where I would like it was like combustion (laughs) like yeah all of these forces that had just been in my head or like I'd press down would like just come up and I would sob about you know, my parents being in the car and I'd worry about a car accident. Yeah. And I, I look back on, and I had all these stomach aches. Like I just look back on these things and I am now able to put my finger on it and say, that's what that was. But I had no idea. And it was almost worse or scarier because now I can say like, I'm feeling really anxious right now and that's how I'm feeling. And cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's incredibly isolating Mm -hmm. when you're experiencing you don't know that you're experiencing this thing. Um, I, I love just completely burying my soul on a podcast, but I wet the bed until I was 12. Mm-hmm. And I think that also reinforced my relationship with God because it had to fucking stop. I had to stop peeing the bed. Like it wasn't something that my parents were gracious with me towards. It was like I needed to stop. And I just would pray every night. I would pray and I would beg God, like, please, tonight, do not let me pee the bed. Like, if I have the urge to go to the bathroom, please wake me up, please. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and eventually it stopped. And then I created this um, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I created this um, ritual behind Mm -hmm. praying before bed and it turned into me having to pray for, okay, make sure my family's safe. Make sure my grandma and grandpa are safe. And then I would go through and I'd have to list all of my aunts and uncles. And I would spend like 30 minutes praying. It just sort of snowballed into this habit. 
And I look back and I'm like, oh, anxiety. That's what that was. It was anxiety. You know, I played softball as a kid and I would like always be in the outfield. And I was not, I was on a different planet. Like Mm -hmm. I would just be in my imagination. And if I wasn't in my imagination, I was um, like counting the bases and I was just like going through these different patterns and repeats and I was like oh I was having a panic attack out there trying to regulate myself and so I would do these like sort of OCD like sort of rituals um, while I was playing softball and I just thought that everybody was doing that in their head well no that's not that's not the case (laughs) yeah the prayer thing is so interesting I had my mom kind of did the same prayer every night and in sort of the same way. And I think it just became habit because it was just a nice way of framing it. And I would then pray that prayer every night. Mm-hmm. And if I felt like I got it wrong or I was off, I'd like start over and be like, I need to make sure I hit every mark yep, of this prayer be before I go to bed. And I still do sometimes like not necessarily the exact prayer, but like I still pray and I haven't gone to church of my own free will in a long time, <laughs> other than to get married. <laughs> um, did you have to? Oh, no, you're not Catholic. No. I was going to ask you to do pre-Cana, but that's not a No, thing. we did do some counseling sessions, though, but they were, our minister was pretty, like, chill. Yeah. <laughs> he he talked about, like, we talked about, like, finances and things like that. Right. But we didn't talk Practical. about, like. Practical. Yeah, we didn't mm-hmm. talk, like. Not about how God's going to be present in your marriage. Yes. Or like family planning, things yeah. like that. We we talked to um, Melissa Cole, who grew up super Catholic, and she told us about her pre-cana, and like it, it was, it was intense. Yeah, what they talked about. Something I wanted to touch on was um, so much of Catholicism, at least I've experienced, is just based in tradition. Mm-hmm. Like um, I wouldn't, I would say the probably the most religious person in my family would be uh, the elderly people in my family. So like my grandmother is probably the most Catholic person. So like once she goes, I don't know how present Catholicism is going to be in my family's life. Aside from like, I have a few cousins who like are very much still in the, in the church, but for as much as my parents now can look back and be like, why did we send you to Catholic school and waste that money? You know, like them not being people that go to church at all. If I were to have a child, do you know the fucking fit my parents would have if I didn't get that baby baptized? Mm-hmm. Literally. When they probably hardly, like they identify as Catholic, like I guess culturally, which is like the dumbest thing I've ever said. But um so like if I were to get married, like they would expect it to be in a Catholic church. And I'm just like, fucking why? Why? Because there is this like sense of just in case. And yeah, like, yeah, like 100 percent. Yeah, like um, I feel the same way about baptism. I think if I yeah, I felt that way very long for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I felt that way for a very long time. I always said if I ever have a kid, I'm going to get them baptized and I'm becoming more and more and more detached from it um, as I get older and the more therapy I'm in because um, I just think that's fucking crazy. Your yeah. baby's not going to go to hell. Well, I do think this, the symbolism of everything I've really, which my church is not as into it as the Catholic church, I will say, but I, that's the thing that I've distanced myself from the most because like your baby getting sprinkled with water 
if if God is a loving God, your baby's not going to Which hell. I believe he is to be. I do too. And so I think like, I don't know. I feel like my own unlearning things and relearning, which I'm very much in the beginning stages of, but I think that's a lot of it where a lot of the ritual and a lot of the symbolism, if it doesn't really feel as genuine to me, I'm like, nah. But I'm like, you know, if prayer brings you comfort, pray. Yeah. I Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with it. And I also still have a habit of praying. It's just in a, I just have a different relationship to it. And it's not necessarily, I'm not really praying to like God necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Sorry. I, one, I didn't realize how close I was to you. <laughs> and, and just point at Kelly like one inch from her face. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because, um, so I wanted to do this earlier, but I was like, stop inserting yourself into every situation. But when you were saying like the bedwetting thing, I had the same thing. I would pray to not have nightmares because I had like mm-hmm. really bad nightmares as a kid. And I was like, that's literally the devil and demons like trying to get to me because I believed in ghosts and I believed in demons. And I was like, and I would dream about demons. And so I'd be like, God, protect me from the demons. That's and intense. I had that's yeah. so intense for a child. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, I had a very active imagination for better or for worse. And yeah, you know. That was for the worst in that situation. Um, and like, it's same thing. If I like, I remember being like, I, praying the rosary and like trying so, so hard to mean it and get every word correct and like remember the mysteries and like try and be in it and absorb it. And I've said this before, but like, I don't even know what my relationship to Jesus and God was really like, except for like trying to please them. And that's not a great relationship to have with anybody like that's such a like a bad power dynamic mm-hmm. um but now I pray as like a way when I don't know what else to do and I want to honor or be reverent to something like someone passes away or there's like a scary situation like I find prayer comforting and I think it's like a really great to be on that side of the coin instead yeah. of like praying out of fear I pray because like to find comfort which is like a really cool thing and I didn't even realize that until you just said Mm. that that that's how I treat it now um and I don't even really know what my goal is when I pray I'm just like this is the most respectful thing I know what to do and I still treat it very reverently but it's not from a place of fear and I think Mm -hmm. that's cool yeah I've actually talked about that with my therapist because I have some separation anxiety which you may have sensed from my parents in the car story earlier. But um, so sometimes I I get like really worked up if somebody's like not answering a text or something like I just get really freaked out because my brain loves to come up with ideas of what might be happening. And so I was I've talked to my therapist about coping mechanism mechanisms and some of the things that I do don't help, like get on TikTok and get on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I go down a rabbit hole of someone who just got married three months ago, whose husband dies and whatever. And then I'm like, well, that's going to happen to me now because I saw it on TikTok. Yep. And um, but then I was saying I was like, sometimes I do like just I pray. And I, I kind of said it like, is that weird? <laughs> like, I was like, she kind of knows my complicated relationship with religion and that we have this podcast where we talk about it. And um, she was like, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. She was like, it's the same as meditating. I was just going to say. Yeah. She was like, as long as you're not feeling like we were saying earlier, you know, if I don't get the words right. Right. He'll die. Like, as long as you're not thinking about it that way. Um, 
you could also see that my brain <laughs> jumps to that conclusion right. always. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I so I, I kind of like when I heard that, I felt like it kind of gave me permission to yeah. feel like it was a healthy habit. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, because there's so much about coming out of religion that you're like everything about it is bad and you do kind of need like permission to like feel like it's okay again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like accept um, the good parts. Yeah. And I know. so I hope that we're here to give some people permission. Yeah. yeah. I totally. like to think that not that we are the rulers or the end all be all, but like like I don't know. I just like really love how we have this podcast and we like acknowledge all of the nuance that comes between like there's so many steps between good like being good and going bad and being sad and you're all of those things at once but we love you guys yeah yeah yeah, we do did you have anything else you wanted to add oh gosh um I mean I could talk about this all day to be (laughs) honest um we'll have to have you back yeah I'd be more than happy to have to 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 be back and chat with you guys this has been so fun I think I'm good all right. Well, then we'd love um, to know your entry into the Good Girl Glossary, which is the definitive list of people, places, and things that make up a good girl. Okay. So my entry is um, wearing your school uniform skirt at your knees and not rolling it up like the other girls. <laughs> and uh, doing the test of having your arms to your side and making sure it doesn't come up uh further than your um, fingernails. Fing- oh, fingernails. Oh, oh, we had fingertips, but fingernails. Oh, fingles. So you just got to grow them out you long. You got to grow them out real long <laughs> yeah. and have like get acrylics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, fingertips. Finger I guess tips. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not longer than your fingertips. And so uh, my- I still do that, by the way. Really? Oh, really? I still am like, should I wear this in public? And I do the fingertips. And I don't love that about myself, but I always- I like, mean, it's a good way to like know yeah. if your ass is going to be out. yeah. But I have short arms, though. What am I supposed to do with that? I have really, <laughs> I have really short arms. No, I really, I do. I have short arms. Yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast oh, are, before. Or oh yeah, we are. Are all of my pants too short? Someone tell me right now. No, my, my you're ass fine. Off. <laughs> Never noticed. Um, and so because I was thinking about this, about the whole skirt thing, I'm like, why did I wear my skirt so long? And I was thinking about how there were, because I went to a very small school. So like the teachers got to know you and there were, I think there were the girls where it was like in the, some of the teachers mind, it was like, they're too far gone. Like they're sluts. They're not going to be saved. They're too <gasps> far gone. Did you say that? I do think that was the situation in my school. <laughs> oh too. yeah. Oh my God. But then there were the girls like me who were like by the book and like followed the rules. And anytime I would try to hike my skirt up, they would say to me, Hey, Kelly, lower your skirt. And I think it was because the ones that they saw that like could be malleable and like were still like following the shit, they wanted to make sure we didn't stray. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's sort of what led me to just wear my skirt entirely too long compared to the other girls. That is so, so funny. Yeah. I had, it, as you were saying that, I just remember being in high school and dating my high school boyfriend and walking down the hall and he would like kiss me on the cheek and I would be like, not in front of Mrs. Knight. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember being like, I need my teachers to think of me with a pristine reputation. No kiss on the cheek. No PDA. Hand holding in school. I'm still trying to get over my fear of PDA. Yeah. I'm still working on it. I know. Well, the thing is, 
I always say I'm not homophobic. I'm just a prude. I don't really want to see anybody kissing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're on the train, I'm like, that's train well, air. It literally, literally bothers me too. Like train Joe air. will look at a couple. Joe will look at a couple and be like, they're so in love. And I'm like, that's disgusting. Get a room. I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> you liberal bitch. Like <laughs> I cannot. That's yeah, so I'm like, funny. I'm like, actually, a, dr- a line does need to be drawn. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I I mean, I don't know. I we talk about self-censoring ourselves all the time, but like making sure you don't look like a slut is like also I mean, I I have like pretty big boobs for my frame and like I know that and I I'm I've come to terms with it you know I'll wear a revealing dress whatever but I will not wear a revealing dress to a family wedding no and I will always keep my I will I'll show you a picture yeah I was like what do you consider revealing by the way (laughs) I would love to I would love to know so like you were saying I wore this revealing dress once I'm literally like it's just one time (laughs) it's just one Becca is blushing it's just this one (laughs) time I wore a revealing dress I'll show you a single picture I have of you you have to post it on the Instagram oh she would never no (laughs) she wouldn't do that pose my cleavage no she Um, would hold the phone out we wouldn't be allowed to touch the phone she'd be like this is an image um so it is on Instagram though it's on my Instagram if you want to scroll back but anyway (laughs) at this event everyone commented on my boobs Uh, and I remember not wanting to wear this dress even though everyone including my mother who doesn't understand why I'm like this she everybody was like no one cares like you have a great figure you know show off your boobs whatever and I was like well you're right so I wore this dress and like people like literally all these people commented and I was like see this is why I can't wear revealing things. That's like you want to buy a car. And so you have a car in mind. And you always see that car on the street. That's mm-hmm. what that was. Yeah. You were so afraid of someone mentioning something that everybody mentioned. Well, and it's like they're used to me wearing turtlenecks. Right. So all right. Sudden, this was a huge departure. Yeah, the skirt is rolled up. They're calling <laughs> you out. Yeah. It. Calling me out. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great one. It's a great one. I would just like to add that my Catholic school skirt. Um, was short mostly because I only fit into the child larges of all the uniforms. <laughs> and so it was a little shorter than, um, than like I would say I would be comfortable with it. Like it, it was not short. And there also were shorts sewn in. Oh my God. Nice. Sports. Would, the, it was sports. the girls who cut them out. That was like, I just, bah, bah, bah. why would you do I that? Would li- I like the support. Me too. Because <laughs> well, you know? for some people, it literally, it like rode up like, yeah, yeah. some oh. people just like simply didn't fit them because yeah. also it was still the same khaki, like it was like still chinos. Yes. It wasn't like a stretchy yeah, yeah, material like underneath. Spandex so under. yeah. yeah. Except for they did upgrade to the Land's End like uniform collection yeah. when mm-hmm. I was like later in my high school years and those had stretchy underneath and that was pretty great. Um, but anyway... I was like, it's because I have to wear, it's because I have to wear a child large, actually, because the the two is just, like, way too big on me. So, I actually, like, I kind of have, like, a special dispensation to have, like, kind of a shorter skirt. Um, because I'm really, really skinny. And what are you going to do about that? Nothing. And, yeah, so that's not good. Um, but, yes, we should enter that into the glossary. 100%. How, oh, would you like, what would you like the wording to be? Okay, entering, um, knee length kilt. Knee length, knee kilt. length kilt. We should put that on a T-shirt. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, knee length kilt. Knee okay, length kilt. so we have to say it in unison to cement its place in the Good Girl glossary. So, are we all ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Knee, knee length, length kilt. kilt. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I'm so glad. I love that contribution. Yes, that was amazing. Okay, so the last thing we do is we play what we call a silly little game. 
and um, we write it for the person that we're talking to. So we wrote this one because I've been listening to your podcast. I've, I don't know why I'm laughing. Like, that's not embarrassing to be listening to your podcast. But it's something about when I'm listening to the podcast of people I know, it makes me like a little self-conscious that I know all this stuff about you now. Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've been listening to your podcast. So I would love if you would explain to our listeners a little bit about your podcast, and then we'll let you know what the game is. Okay, amazing. Yeah, so I have a podcast uh, that I just relaunched called I Feel Fat Today. And it's a podcast where I talk about diet culture. I talk about diets in general. I have comedians on where we talk about like their relationship with food and insecurities in general. Um, But yeah, it's about um, the really looking at and laughing at the crazy relationship that you may have with food. And um, it's one of those podcasts where sometimes an episode can you get done and you kind of feel like you went through a therapy session, which mm-hmm. are admittedly my favorite kind of podcast. Us too, clearly. <laughs> Tonight, yeah. I was like, am I going to cry today? <laughs> yes. Well, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I have a lot of body image issues and Don't I was a dancer growing <laughs> up. So it's just, yeah. Um, so I've really related to a lot of what y'all have been talking about and I really appreciate it and I think a lot of our listeners would appreciate it too absolutely so we wrote a game for you really playing off of the ridiculousness of diet culture what's the name of the game um it's called fad or sad okay and so we will name a fad diet and you'll tell us if it's a real diet or a fake diet that we made up. Okay. Amazing. I love this. Let's do it. Right. So number one, the five bite diet. Skip breakfast, eat what you like for lunch and dinner, but only five bites for each meal. Whoa. Oh man. That's a really good one. I want to say it's real. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, could, I couldn't have come up with that. Yeah. I was going to say like that would be if it was fake, I'd be like, you guys are creative. I just love, like, eat whatever you want, but, yeah. like, don't eat any of it. <laughs> yeah, literally. Chew it, chew it up and spit it out. I'm just like, the logistics of only five bites of food, my brain can't wrap around that. I would be using a soup ladle as yeah. my bite. Well, especially, like, if you're cooking, and then oh like, you God. make a whole meal, and then you're only allowed five bites. It's like, I spent an hour on that pasta. <laughs> oh, my God. Want to hear something so funny? real quick yes my grandma would make these like beautiful meals and then would eat the lean cuisine version <gasps> of that meal oh my gosh at the dinner table <gasps> like she'd make a lasagna and then she'd pop hers in the microwave <gasps> i went uh, through a lean cuisine phase that really oh my god are you kidding yeah oh, i went through a healthy steamers phase mm. yes mm-hmm. i actually that. know the ones did you have the teriyaki one because it was kind it was of pretty good, good. It, it was, was also good. they had the um like ready-made pasta ones oh yeah and those were shelf stable and didn't need to go in the freezer yeah a lot of that for me was just that i didn't know how to cook, cook. oh yes yeah, yeah mm-hmm. 100 percent. Oh, yeah. well i was just also like i'm like the packaging is green which means it's healthy oh, <laughs> so yeah. i feel good 100%. There. that kelly you have to like put that in a tv show or something i know i know i need to like my friends are always like that's a bit i'm like it, i gotta it really i gotta is. figure it, it out really yeah. is. that's okay but like the best the best life stories people are like you have to tell it and th- those are the ones you can't figure out how to tell of yeah. course or at least me i don't know maybe y'all can <laughs> are you ready for number two yes the dolly diet you follow dolly parton's what i eat in a day um that's real that is fake damn becca made that up mm-hmm. i like that though. i feel like dolly would never tell 
you know she I, seems like she'd be cool about that kind her of thing. diet is corsets yeah yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i feel like surgery. i feel like she would have the diet that's similar to like where you the french diet where you have like a glass of white wine for breakfast and then like a hard-boiled egg like <laughs> i feel like that's a diet that dolly follows yeah that seems right or maybe okay. not maybe dolly's perfect and maybe. you know i, I love I, her I, yeah She's whatever, great. whatever dolly does is fine yeah but i do feel like she would be one to be like i'm not gonna tell you my diet like, yeah that's yeah. not a good thing to do yeah mm-hmm. that's true i like that i'm also just i love dolly <laughs> clearly <laughs> okay number three the lumpy foods cleanse you can only eat lumpy foods like cottage cheese oatmeal and yogurt for 10 days that's real it's fake. Damn it. <laughs> but I'm glad you thought it was real because I thought it was clever. No, that's so good. That I love really that. Good. Because like, like it also sounds disgusting. I totally have seen <laughs> diets. I probably have done diets while I've eaten his cottage cheese. I well, that's where I started with the cottage cheese diet, and then I was like, that actually probably exists. Like I feel yeah. like there are people who only eat cottage cheese. Totally. For like days. Um, the cabbage soup diet. Eat a lot of cabbage soup for one week, not much else. Real. Real. One hundred percent real. And not even from a diet phase but i would love to eat a lot of cabbage soup uh, all cabbage week. soup is like your two favorite things together <laughs> i i love cabbage so i would love some cabbage soup. i don't know if i would like cabbage soup i, I mean do you like borscht i don't know i i would love it it's it's cabbage i've, soup, I've seen you eat borscht <laughs> but i've never tried it <laughs> mm, i love borscht okay okay number five the baby food diet Eat baby food for breakfast and lunch, 14 jars total, and then have a healthy dinner. 100% real. It's real. Totally real. 14 jars is so many jars. And baby, so f- many, baby food like, tastes disgusting. And it's yeah. expensive. Yeah. Also, like, just, I don't know, puree your own vegetables. Yeah. Like, I don't think eat it out of a baby food jar. Yeah, yeah, I think it's because it, you can do that. I think I know people who do this do do that, but it's because they have like a lot less in- added ingredients and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's right, to be like right. A- no sugar. Or something yeah, like that. yeah. But also, ew. I know. I know. Disgusting. Me, I'm like lumpy food squads. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like how did you do oatmeal, the yum. oatmal and yogurt? Like I could. I, I know. I would do. I would do the lumpy. <laughs> if I could eat hard boiled eggs, then I'd be in. And this feels like a diet that would also be hard. Oh, yeah. there was. I took it off, but there was a hard-boiled egg diet where you eat like six of them a day. I do <laughs> that by mistake. But you eat other stuff. So it's like you eat a normal meal, but you also have to eat yeah. six hard, hard-boiled eggs. I could get those down easy. I don't know why it has to be hard-boiled, though. Like, why can't you like fry them up? Uh, no oil. Butter. Ooh, yeah, it's because yeah. it's like its purest form. It's yeah. just water. Nothing's added. That's so true. But you could soft-boil it. Yeah, you, you could, could have different em. forms of oil. I don't know. That's not what this diet says. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest boiled eggs. Okay, your last one. Noon diet, a form of extreme intermittent fasting in which you can eat whatever you want, but only from noon to 1 p.m. Ooh. I, I hope it's fake. It's fake. It's okay, good, but good, But doesn't good. it kind of sound real? It, it does. Very it, real. I mean, there are eating windows where people eat from 12 to 6 so literally they get five more hours big whoop (laughs) i just like i'm busy i just love how how do i i don't have time to eat between five and six right i'm too absent-minded like i'm too like i'm too hungry (laughs) yeah yeah i'm so hungry when i wake up my favorite amy schumer joke is um i think this was in her hbo special She's like, you ever been at work and there's that girl that's like, oh, my God, I was so busy. I forgot to eat lunch today. And I'm like, oh, shit. 
I ate two lunches today. <laughs> like, that's my favorite bit. I, I love it. That's so funny that you bring that up because I love in Trainwreck, which I love that movie, but I did try to watch it with Michael recently. And I was like, I'm actually very cringy watching this with you for some reason. But I think it's a great movie. But she says, um, he's like, she's like, I'm feeling faint. I haven't eaten that much today. And he's <laughs> like, what did you eat? And she's like, you know, a muffin, a cup of yogurt, some granola, a thing of grapes, a turkey sandwich, chipotle. And, and he's, he's like, like, okay, so breakfast, <laughs> lunch, a snack? And two snacks, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, let's get some food. It's <laughs> so funny. And I just I love that it. he's just like, yep, yeah, uh-huh, all right, let's 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 get you some food. But it's just, uh, for some reason, that scene just kills me. I uh, know, it kills me, too. I love that scene. I think it was in the trailer, which is why it's, like, so top of yeah, mind yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, 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 totally. I'm also, like, that's literally me. I'll be like, I'm, like, actually, like, woozy. And then I look <laughs> at what I ate, and I'm like, mm, yep, full <laughs> meals. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> I'll like have a huge meal at the end of the day and be like, well, it's fine. I didn't eat today. And then I go look back and I'm like, no, when I got a coffee, I also got a wake up wrap and hash browns and like <laughs> all these things. <laughs> oh, man. I love that game. Thanks, guys. Well, congrats. You won. You did. I, hey, I love it. <laughs> um, so the last segment of the podcast is we pass the offertory plate, which is where you just plug yourself. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Okay. You can follow me on Instagram at hello. This is Kelly, um, which is also how my dad trained me to answer the phone. So that's just how I, I love answer that. now. Hello, I've always thought it was Kelly. a good handle. Thank I've you. Thought so too. It's funny because if I were to get a phone call right now, I'd just... By default, say hello. This is Kelly. So follow me on there. You can follow me on TikTok at Modern Goth Girl, and um, f- subscribe to I Feel Fat Today podcast on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram at I Feel Fat Today, and yeah, check me out there. And also listen. Yes, please listen. Listen. I, I think if you have any feelings whatsoever about dieting, body image, anything, insecurities in general. Um, I think that'd be something you can relate to about it and also laugh. Definitely. It's, it feels like you're in the room. I just, oh, I thank love you. That's really what I wanted to achieve with it. I, I really have enjoyed it. I, oh. I kind of like binged the three episodes oh, of this season you. the other day and I was like, wow, this is, I feel like I'm not alone. And I, actually, I was getting, I was actively getting a lot of text. I was, I was sending Sid like. Claire, this is a thing about Claire. Like, but I was like, I kind of want to text Claire about it, but that seems weird. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not part of this. I'm just listening. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of podcast. Me too. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank thank you, you guys. This was so fun. I loved this. And a little therapeutic. Oh, it's totally therapeutic. What Good. Therapeutic? We are not licensed therapists. No, <laughs> no, no. It's fine. We it's need fine. to remind ourselves of that. Yeah. No, no, no we're not. No, it's therapeutic. We give each other therapy. Yes, I don't therapeutic doesn't have to be therapy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and I don't think that we think. I don't. I don't think I'm. A th- I think I'm a th- do I come across as like I think I'm a no? Th- I'm I just joking. think I would be a good one. Oh yeah, no, I think <laughs> that's I'd, my. Thing. I thought I would be a good one until we had a therapist on this podcast, and she told me I should never be a therapist. <laughs> and she, she said that I would be a good therapist if Becca would be a bad one. And I went, I don't want to. And she was like, maybe that's why you should. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because I internalize everybody's stuff. And then I worry about it. And she was like, don't ever be a therapist. And Sid was like, I actually never think about anybody else. And she was like, you'd be a great therapist. No, I said I lack empathy. I just go, I understand that that's sad, but like I can't emote for you. And she was like, yeah, that's the that, goal. That's it. That's the stuff. I love <laughs> that's it. That's the stuff. Well, anyway, thank you so much. Thank you for thank coming you on. Thank you, guys. And there's only one thing left to say. Jesus, Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the, the internet. internet. Bye. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening. You can find me, Becca Stevenson, at TheBeccaStevenson on Instagram and at the real underscore Becca on TikTok and Twitter. You can find me, Sid King, at Sid period the period King on Instagram. And you can find us, The Good Girls Gone Sad, at Good Girls Gone Sad on Instagram and TikTok. You can also email us at goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. If you would like to submit a glossary submission, you can DM it to us on Instagram or send it through by email. Also, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we will mail you a sticker and a matchbook. If you DM it to us on Instagram, just have to give us your address. Five-star reviews only, please. Also, don't forget, if you want to drink your morning coffee out of a mug that says Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet, you can do that with our merch, which you can find via our link tree. We would also like to thank Emery Bergman for our amazing logo and Luke Lima for our amazing intro and outro music. All right, there's only one thing left to say. Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet. And neither should you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.